The scripture lesson for today comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. May the Lord bless these words to our hearts. Amen. Someone once asked Daniel Boone, the famous frontier guide, if he'd ever been lost. And he said, well, no, but once I was perplexed for a couple of days. Perplexed. What a wonderful word. I looked it up. It's from a Latin word which means to interweave. It means that something is so complicated that it doesn't have just a single strand but it's interwoven. It means being in the midst of a complicated situation that you can't figure out. It's too complex for simple solutions. You don't know how you got into it. You don't know how to get out of it. Have you ever been perplexed? I think this pandemic has caused a lot of us to be perplexed. Paul was. He says in the text that we are perplexed but not in despair. Oh, he's got other problems too. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Frankly, I have trouble identifying with most of that. My life has been too good so far. There are hardly any ways that I have ever been afflicted for my faith. Struck down, not yet. But perplexed, I can relate to that part. I've been there, and I'm sure you have too. The situation where you're not sure what just happened. You didn't plan for things to go this way. You wanted it to be different. I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine, and we were both saying that both of us had a member of our family whose life was just a mess, a total mess, and, and yet we had no idea really how to help them. We had no idea how to solve the problem that was before us. We're perplexed. Paul was, but he said that he refused to allow that to lead to despair or depression. When I was uh, writing this sermon, I uh, was listening to my Johnny Cash CD. And one of the songs that came on uh, fit perfectly this theme of what Paul is talking about. It's an old Tom Petty song that says, I won't back down. The lyrics, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up to the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand my ground, won't be turned around, and I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground, and I won't back down. I wish Steve could play that on the organ for us today, but uh, we'll have to take a rain check on that. 
These words that Paul addressed to the church in Corinth, well, the church was a mess. It was full of half-baked Christians with full-blown egos. And here Paul had knocked himself out to start this church. You know, he didn't go to churches that were already in existence. He started his own churches. And after he got the church started, instead of being grateful to him, they started to backtrack and to complain about him and to go back on some of the things that he had taught them. And so he has to write a second letter to them, which is the part that we read today. In these letters, we can see how Paul handles the conflict. The problem was dissension, division, fault-finding, backbiting, blaming, jealousy, and just general meanness. Paul takes all of that, and then he throws in his own limitations. He doesn't cover up anything. He says the marvel of it is that God continues to be able to use flawed organizations like the church. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, or as our translation says, clay pots, to show that the power belongs to God and not to us. It's a really good metaphor that he uses. Earthen vessels, clay pots, they are very inelegant, and they are something that are very, very common as well. In fact, I brought a, a visual aid here uh, to show you one. This is a clay pot that my grandfather, a long, long time ago, found in the desert uh, in Arizona. And uh, it's broken, as you can see. This is a, every family would have had one of these, every Native American family, because all it takes to make this is dirt, water, and fire. And so you can, every family could have one of these. And the, the purpose of a clay pot is to hold something more important than it whether it's water, which is precious in the desert, or food. The purpose is to hold something that is more precious than it. That's why Paul says, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. It's what's in the vessel that's important, not the vessel itself. He says, I'm a flawed apostle, and uh, I, I, there's a lot of things wrong with me. And he confesses that. But what a liberating message that is. The gospel is the treasure and we are the earthen vessel. The treasure is best seen in earthen vessels, or, or is best seen when the vessel is humble. When I confess my weakness, Paul says, then I am strong. That's a classic Pauline paradox. When we are weak, we are strong. When we are perplexed, we are strong. One of the things I've been perplexed about, I don't know about you, is I wonder, what is the purpose of the coronavirus. Does it do any good? Is its only purpose to kill people? Who created it? Who made it? Why is it here? I asked all of those questions to my personal assistant, Alexa, and she didn't know. And she knows everything. There's a lot to be perplexed about, isn't there? There's another implication in this. You ought to memorize it. We all ought to have a little sign on our mirror that says, it's not all up to you. It's not all up to you. That's why this image is perfect that, that he uses. An, earth, an earthen vessel is easily broken if you heat it up too much. Uh, 
that's why God didn't say to us, you are stainless steel. You are cast iron. You are Le Creuset. Nope, just an earthen vessel. Something that is easily broken, and you have to take care. So we have to understand that we have limits. God is saying, do all you can, but don't think that you have to do everything. I am here too. Paul says, where my power ends, God's power begins. In the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, Paul says, we see through a glass darkly, which means that we have our own limitations in knowledge. We don't really see everything. We can't know everything. And then he also says, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully understood. Part of our human condition is knowing in part. And we can admit that we don't know everything and be content because we know that there is someone that knows us and that we are truly known by God. Where our power ends, God's power begins. Someone once asked Mrs. Albert Einstein if she understood the theory of relativity. And she said, no, but I understand Albert. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's all we need to know. We don't know everything, but we know the one who does know everything. I love the story of the businessman who was going to an important meeting, and he was late, so he took a shortcut through a neighborhood that he didn't know, and he got hopelessly lost. So he stopped to ask directions of the first person that he saw, who was a little girl playing in the front yard of her home. And so he rolled down the window, and he said, excuse me, which way to 15th Avenue? She said, I, I don't know. He said, well, where's Oak Street? She said, I, I don't know. And he said, for heaven's sake, which way is north? She said, I, I don't know. And he just exploded. He said, you don't know much, do you? She said, no, but I ain't lost. That's how we are. We don't know much, but we're not lost. We know the one who knows the way. Amen.